Malambang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, hello everyone. Hello Victory family. How are you guys doing today? Hope you're doing well. Uh, my name is Pastor Ariel. For those of you joining us online and for those of you who are here on site, uh, welcome. Welcome to church. And can we just give the Lord a hand uh, today just so that we can add you know, to the Lord? So that we can actually just honor Him for what He's doing uh, continuously in our church and in our families. Today, we're starting a brand new series entitled uh, Life Together. You know, I'm just so blessed to be able to share life with not only my family, but with the spiritual family, the bigger family that we have here. And how many of you are blessed uh, with relationships in our church and with our community, you know? I hope, hang up, raise your hands. Great, okay. I hope you are. I hope that we're continuing to build relationships together. Um, yesterday, I was so blessed because I attended a wedding in Lipano. So we, you know, Pastor Bodhi and I went there. And uh, one of our members of uh, a couple uh, in the church got married, young couple. And Pastor Bodhi was the one who officiated the wedding. I uh, was the sacristan yesterday and assisted him. Uh, it's, so, it's so good, you know, just uh, seeing our young pastors, you know, just officiating the wedding. But, you know, talking about weddings. I love weddings. How many of you are married and you love it? Please raise your hand. I hope you do. I hope you're still madly in love with that person that you have been married to for I don't know how many years. You know, I've been married for the past 31 years and I'm still madly in love with my wife. Hi, love. So, uh, okay. But yet, when you talk about relationships, uh, you know, this pandemic has actually tested our relationships, whether in the home, uh, whether in the church, you know, we have been somehow isolated with, uh, from each other. Uh, even our workplace, we have transitioned from a working environment in the office to now working from home. Uh, in the, you know, in the, even from you know, the perspective of the kids, students, you know, they're now doing online learning. But yet somehow I also believe that this, uh, as we have heard me said in, in the past uh, preachings, that maybe somehow God has a way for us to have a reset. You know, God has actually, you know, this pandemic has helped us to realize what is most important in this time of pandemic. You know, we have actually um, you know, re- renewed our relationships with our family. Our marriages hopefully have been strengthened. Um, you know, our workmates, we have not seen them physically for a long time, but yet via Zoom, we're able to still connect and somehow, I believe that life cannot be lived apart from others. Do you believe that? You know, there's a saying that, say, you know, that goes, no man is an island. You know, it's an old saying, but that's, that's really true. That we are connected with one another. And I believe that the way we treat and relate with others is normally the effect of our relationship with Christ. It's normally an overflow of our relationship with Christ. Whether it's, uh, you know, you uh, in your marriage relationship, uh, maybe parents with children, and I believe that all of us are children, right? Uh, you know, we have parents. So I hope that we're able to, um, you know, nurture that relationship, especially, you know, if your parents are still alive, for those of us who are in our uh, midlife, okay? Uh, because of Christ, you can actually still experience thriving, lasting, fulfilling relationship. And so that's going to be our topic for the next three weeks, life together. Everybody say life together. For those of you watching also online, just say life together. Okay, life together. I can't hear you, okay? But it is because of our relationship with Christ that we can have meaningful relationships. And I also believe that, you know, that somehow that relationship, that's where we draw our love. 
that we can actually give and share to other people. So whether it's in the area of marriage, that's our topic for today. An interesting topic uh, on marriage. And uh, no, whether you are married or not married, this topic is for all of us. Uh, you know, whether you're single and praying to get married someday, um, just wait. It's, uh, it's good to wait, okay? But I'm also saying that if you're single, you are not waiting for someone to complete you. Do you know that? Do you know that if you're single, you're already complete in Christ? And there's a bigger purpose of marriage. You know, when I got married 31 years ago, it's not because someone completed me. You know, there's a greater purpose for marriage. And so whether you're single or married, you are complete in Christ. Look at the person beside you and just tell the person, you're complete in Christ. Kung kaya mong sabihin, okay, via your, your face mask, okay? So uh, parenting also, is, uh, we're going to be talking about that next week. Parenting, you know, the relationship between parents and children. Next week happens to be Father's Day, so we're going to be looking at that. And then the third week, we're going to be looking at, um, at the workplace, our relationship with our bosses and our employees. So basically, this whole series will be based from the book of Ephesians. We're going to be focusing on two chapters, chapters 5 and chapter 6. And so uh, this is Paul's letter on how we can actually keep and maintain and really uh, nurture valuable relationships uh, with Christ. And so, you know, I, I really, I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that, you know, we're slowly, you know, going back here uh, on site. Uh, this morning, I was just watching also, you know, before I came here, I was watching the 9 o'clock service and it was packed. It was full. And I hope, uh, and I believe that God's just drawing us uh, near. It's, we're a gathered church, okay? And I believe that God is continuing to just, uh, you know, making us realize that we need one another so that we can actually grow in our walk with God. And so if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and open to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. For those of you watching from home, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 5. And we will be reading verse 23, uh, 21 to 33. In fact, our title for our message today is a question. Should wives submit to their husbands in everything? I'm just looking at the wives. Okay? I'm waiting for reactions. But anyway, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. Uh, and we'll be reading from God's Word this morning, today. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We'll, be, we'll begin from verse 21 to verse 22. And I know that your section heading there says, Wives and Husbands, beginning in verse 22. But I would like to read from the previous verse, uh, verse 21. It says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy. Everybody say holy. And without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me communicate your word to our congregation, to our people who's listening, even to those who's listening online. I thank you, Lord God, that there is hope. There's so much grace and there's just uh, so much, uh, Lord, just so much purpose that you have given to us in the area of marriage. And I pray, God, that you would encourage those who are married. I thank you that you will give us the right perspective of how it is for us to relate with one another between husband and wife. And for those who are not yet married, for those who are single, I thank you, Lord God, that they would look to you as their husband, us being the church, your bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. I don't want to ask the question anymore. How many of you singles are wanting to get married? You know, just uh, raise your eyebrows if you are praying for that, okay? We've always been uh, joking. Uh, Pastor Bodie is like the flavor of the month. Uh, every month, uh, asking him, Kelena, uh, you know. But, you know, of course, we want to be careful because we don't want to push single people in the area of marriage. Because do you know that it is not us Who's the originator of marriage? It is God Himself. When you talk about marriage, marriage really is a design coming from God. You know, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, it was not the idea of Adam looking for a wife. It was God's idea to give a wife to Adam. Did you know that? You realize that? And we're familiar with that scripture. That it was God who actually put Adam to sleep and God was the one who took one of the ribs of Adam and out of that rib made a woman. And when Adam woke up, he saw the woman and he said, whoa, man. And that's where it started. And yet many couples have a misunderstanding of our roles as husband and wife. We can't really push ourselves to get married because God is our originator of marriage. This is what I would say. If you're married, marriage is a gift. And just like the Apostle Paul, as he mentioned, if you're single, singlehood is also a gift. Did you know that? So wherever station that you are in life, we ought to be grateful for the Lord for giving us that. I just want to establish that. That if you are not married today, and if you're single, you are not missing out on anything. Take that further. And may the Holy Spirit breathe life in your, you know, in your heart. That you, know, you don't have to have someone beside you to complete you for you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Because as a single, if God calls you today as a single individual for this season in your life, then so be it. God's going to su- supply the grace so that you can actually walk 
and be encouraged because you, you, you always find your sustenance and nourishment and your fellowship with our God. But yeah, when you talk about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, for those of us who are married, you know, this, are, this is some scripture or this particular verse is very controversial. You know, when, when I would read this and when I would actually do some engagement seminars uh, before I say I do, it gives a chill or a shock especially to fiancés getting married, to wives, or to women in general about the area of submission. Now, how many of you wives, first time you heard that, that wives ought to submit to their husbands in everything, you felt like, what? Don't raise your hand, okay? And, there's, and there have been many abuses of this verse and wrong interpretation and wrong application in marriage. And I want to talk about that today. In fact, my question, and this is the title for our message today, should wives submit to their husbands in everything? And all the men would say, <laughs> amen. And all the wives would say, Oh my. You know, Lee Grady, a preacher and an author, said this about submission. Traditionalists assume that a Christian marriage is defined as a dominant husband who makes all the family decisions while the wife gracefully obeys without input. Yet Scripture actually portrays marriage as a loving partnership and refers to the wife as a fellow heir of God's grace. That's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. That wives have a say in marriage. And all the wives now say, you can say amen. There's not a trick question. You know, for many of us who have been married for even for a few weeks, we can all agree that we need the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to survive, withstand, walk it out, and have two people who have been so different, two people who came from different family backgrounds, two people who came and raised up from different cultures, can actually live in one roof and share the same ideals. And as the Bible says, the two shall become one. Is that really possible? And I believe that's only possible by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. That this whole context of Ephesians chapter 5 really is hinged on that particular context. That this submitting to one another is actually a spirit-empowered life. And we see that, and this is not part of my notes, in, uh, in, in verse 18 of chapter 5, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then there are like five phrases that the Apostle Paul has mentioned here. Addressing one another in Psalms, singing and making melody to the Lord, giving thanks always, and the last being submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is how we live a Spirit-filled marriage. And the Apostle Paul even wrote in the book of Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And did you know that the fruit of the Spirit is what's needed in marriage? Love, joy, 
peace. Patience. How many of you need patience in marriage? Patience, another name for patience is long-suffering. Especially for those of you who have been married for, the, you know. How many of you are married for at least 20 years? Please raise your hand. 20 years. Wow. Can we honor this couples right now? Can we just give them a hand? 20 years. Amazing. And you're still together, right? How is that? Grace of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to share three thoughts on a spirit-filled marriage. Three thoughts. First thought is marriage is two becoming one. That in itself for me, my brothers and sisters, is a miracle. Two, becoming one. It does not make sense in accounting. I am a CPA. One plus one equals what? Two. The Bible says one plus one equals one. How many of you know that, that is a miracle? Only God can do that. And when you talk about marriage, marriage is really two people, two individuals becoming one. It does not mean that I lose my identity in marriage. It does not also mean that my wife loses her identity in marriage. But that we come together for a common purpose. It used to be as singles, we say I and me and my. When we come into marriage, it suddenly became we and us. And there's strength in unity. You know, when you talk about marriage, marriage is also not a hierarchy. Sometimes you imagine that the husband is like the CEO, right? And the wife is like the janitor. You know, it's, it's like a picture that is not really so accurate biblically. When you talk about marriage, the husband and the wife are equal in value. They're equal. I ever say equal. They're both valuable before God. They're equal in value, equal in worth, just playing different roles. Marriage is an equal and mutual partnership. We read earlier that the husband is the head. Now, the husband being the head does not mean, you know, it's a license for him to control everything in that marriage. That is not what that's. That word says. In fact, the Greek word for head is kephale, and it does not imply a heavy-handed authority or a male superiority, but it may mean source, like you know, a river coming from a certain source. That's what head means. Or one who protects or leads the other into battle as a protector. That is what headship is all about. It is not being a dictator. It is not being a tyrant. It is not being someone who tells the wife, Ten kape. Ten kape. I mean, that's, that's part of it. We serve one another. And I believe that is the reason why women are having a hard time with this word submission. Now, if you are a lady, just say submission. Okay, say it out loud. Submission. And I want to clarify what submission is. Later on, you know, when I conducted uh, like years ago an engagement seminar, you know, several couples were there, they're engaged couples. You know, as I was talking about this word submission, 
and I was discussing this, one of the fiancé, a lady, stood up and left the seminar, never came back. She couldn't take it. She couldn't take the fact that I need to submit to this guy in everything. I mean, it was so controversial. And somehow this word submission have been weaponized by men. Now, I am a man, okay? And I, you know, I, I know how this word ought to be applied. And, you know, sometimes when a husband and a wife are discussing things, what the husband would tend to do is quote Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. <laughs> Weaponize. The Bible says, wives, Submit. And the observation of the verse is simply that. In verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The interpretation that they find there is the husband is the authority and the wife does what the husband says. That's their interpretation. Now the application for this verse somehow can be so amazing or can be so bizarre. You know, some people think that since the husband is the authority, that he will always have the final say in marriage. How many of you know that is not exactly accurate? You know, sometimes I would say the joke, you know, I've been married for the past 31 years. And um, I told my wife, love, I'll always make the major decision. For minor decisions, you're in charge. And for the past 31 years, we have never made any major decision ever. It's always minor decision. Okay? Where to live, minor decision. Kaya mo na yan. Where the kids should go to school, kaya mo na yan. Okay, what we should do for, for, with our life, where to, where to retire, minor decision, kaya mo na yan. And jokingly, I would say that. But really, if husbands are wise enough, they need to involve their wives in the decision-making process because I believe women are also wise and they can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would agree with me on that? Amen. Wow, lumalakas na. Ginaganahan na. Come on. You know, one particular couple took that particular verse. Wives submit to your husband as to the Lord. And they applied it in their marriage. The wife happens to be a CPA. Very good in, in, in finance. And the husband could not even add good numbers. But since they take, took that to heart, and they said, since I am the head, I should be in charge of the finances, the husband said. And the wife just readily submitted. Guess what happened to their finances? What's the meaning of this? First of all, this, is the, this does not mean that women are to submit to all men. This verse is not referring to that, okay? Wives are to submit only to their man, to their own husband, not to every man, not to all men. You know, because, you know, back in the day, you know, early church, and I, I, I uh, remember when, when we had a seminar, one of the single guys said, I have a testimony. You know, one of the things I learned in this, in this seminar is that, you know, women are supposed to submit to all of us men. I said, no, what? Where'd you get that? Is that from the Bible? Paul said, wives, submit to your own husband. 
And what's the meaning of submit? The word being translated here in the Koine Greek is hupotasomai or hupotaso. Everyone say hupotaso. Hindi hipopotamos, okay? Hupotaso. It's actually a military term for arranging soldiers uh, in a battle formation to confront an enemy. And submit could translate set or to arrange or to order or to deploy. That is what submission is all about. So when you talk about uh, you know, women submitting uh, under the men, what it means simply is I am putting myself under your authority to be arranged so that we can actually be united as we face a common enemy. Because you and I are not the enemies. Amen. It does not imply a picture of a master sergeant telling the troops, give me 50 push-ups. Okay, hindi yun ang application on. What are some of the misconceptions of this? This word is not referring to a dictator-like leader. You know, trying to push the wife under servitude. Uh, under servitude. You know, in the ancient world, uh, the husband treats the wife like a property. And this is actually more of what happened in the Greco-Roman time, era. Okay? Wherein the wife is like a property and the husband treats her like a slave. That is not the meaning of this particular word. You know, that's one misconception. In fact, in some parts of India, some pastors believe that it is acceptable to beat their wives as they argue with them or show any sign of disrespect. What a wrong application of that text. In some Western countries, women are taught that obedience to God is measured by their submission to their husband, even when the latter is addicted to alcohol or involved in any adulterous affair. It's a sad application. Very perverted. Yet the Apostle Paul was clarifying this truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2-4, to it says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her body, but the husband does. But it did not end there. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. In other words, it's equal. That you don't look at your body only as to yourself, the wife and the husband. And in order to overcome sexual immorality, Paul is saying the husband has authority over his wife's body, but not limited to that. His wife also does have authority over him. When the Apostle Paul said this particular passage, he just turned the entire Roman social structure by saying this verse. In fact, the philosophers of that day, Aristotle and Philo, said this. They were saying, both are saying that men should rule their home like a tyrant and the wife without inherent authority. That's what the Greco-Roman culture was believing during that time. In fact, even the Jewish men has a way of praying and treating women. Their prayers like this, Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile, a slave, and a woman. What a prayer. Because during that time, 
women are actually considered as second class. Not until Jesus, praise God. They were not even counted in the census with the men. Can you imagine, you know, some scriptures would say, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, they only counted the men during that time, not counting women and children. Basically, a wife had no authority and voice in marriage during that time. But Jesus came, praise God for Jesus, amen. Jesus came and gave dignity to women during his time. I mean, he walked and he acknowledged the faith of this Syrophoenician woman that said, you know, even the crumbs from the table can be eaten by the dogs. What a faith, said Jesus. He comforted and he protected that adulterous woman who was caught in adultery. And he said to the men, he who knew no sin cast the first stone. And they all left. He met with the woman in the Samaritan well, in the, in the well, the Samaritan woman. And the, the, you know, the disciples, the people were amazed. How can you talk to a woman? Because he was elevating the value of, of women in his time. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul, he was writing this. Now that this is true, as Jesus has looked upon women, continue to submit yourself to your husband. Ask to the Lord. My second point is this. Submission is our responsibility to one another as we submit to Christ. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. So this basically answers my question. Should wives submit to their husbands in everything? We should not take that verse out of context and let it stand alone. But there are other verses in the Bible, that they, even the same author, the Apostle Paul was writing, that somehow supports this particular concept of submission. What he's saying is, wives, submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. Only as is fitting to the Lord. If he's telling you to do an ethical, immoral practice, please, Obey God rather than men. If he's telling you to be, you know, to do something illegal or something immoral, please do not submit to him. Of course, that's an extreme uh, example. A, wife's, a wife submits to the husband only as she submits to Christ. You know, it's interesting that the NASB version, New American Standard Version, of this verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, says this, Wives, with a parenthesis, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. And as I was doing my study, the words in italics or parenthesis were not originally part of that passage. In fact, it was just inserted there just so that it will make sense. The original passage says, wives, to your husbands, as to the Lord. There's no verb. Can you imagine when you say, okay, wives, to your husband, as to the Lord. What does that mean? Wives, cook for your husband, as to the Lord. Or wives, bike with your husbands. There's no verb. And so, in order for, us to be, for this verse to make sense, you have got to go to the previous verse, 
which is verse 21, what we read earlier. And now this makes sense because this verse 21 and 22 should be read as one cohesive statement. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, to your husbands as to the Lord. In fact, when you talk about submission, submission is not just a verb that is used for women or wives. It is actually a verb that describes our attitude as believers. That God has actually placed authorities over our lives. Submission is not just for wives. It's for every believer. A spirit-empowered submission is how Christians ought to live. And a submission is to place oneself before someone else in order that they might lift them up. You know, for example, in our uh, office, I am the senior pastor of this particular congregation. So, you know, we submission here means that we need to align ourselves with the same vision and values. But I am not like a dictator that says whatever I say goes. We sit down together among the pastors. We pray and ask the Lord, what is your will? And then we submit to one another. And then we do what God says. Submission is not just for the wife. It's not just for the church, uh, for the child. It's not just for the you know, uh, employee. It's for everyone. God has put authority structures in our life. We submit to government. Amen. We submit to church elders. We submit to you know, us as children. We submit to our parents. If you're an employee, you submit to your boss. And, you know, submission is actually an action, uh, a beautiful word. Nothing wrong with the word submission. And as believers, to voluntarily submit to one another is actually a unique Christian virtue. It's part of our DNA because it's in the DNA of our God. You know, the Trinity submits to one another. One of the descriptions of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be submissive to one another because the Holy Spirit Himself is submissive to the Trinity. Submission is the attitude of Christ to the Father. Did you know that? Jesus Himself submitted to the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit has perfect unity and yet they submit to one another. Christ to the Father, the Holy Spirit to Jesus, and yet they're co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. They're equal in value. Not one is more important than the other. That's why in marriage, guess what? The wife is not lesser in value over the husband. With the husband, they're equal in value, just playing different roles. Third point is this: How do we have a spirit-led, a spirit-empowered marriage? Marriage is ultimately a model between Christ and the church. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How do we love? You know, love is more than just giving your wife flowers and chocolates or, you know, texting her, you know, during the day, you know, because you put it in your calendar, text wife. But it's more than that. It's by giving ourselves to give himself up for his wife. Did you know that to love in the real essence of the word is actually much harder than it is to submit? Because to love as Christ loved the church, and how did Christ love the church? Simple lang. Christ 
loved the church by giving his life for the church and died for the church. Husbands, if you want your wife to submit to you, love her as Christ loved the church. It means that you're willing to give up your rights to serve her, not just so that you can manipulate her, but to willingly just value her. This means that I will put my wife's needs ahead of my needs. It means that when I get home, and, you know, well, back in the day, okay, of course, now we're working from home. When I get home from home, okay? For example, you know, hypothetically speaking, if you come from work, you get home, and you're about to enter the door, it means you're preparing and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me, give me the grace to engage with my wife and my family. I know I'm tired, but give me the grace, the strength to serve her because she also had a full day. And I had a full day, but because I am the husband and I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church, Give me the strength to serve her just like Christ served the church. Even if I don't feel like doing it, even if I feel like just watching NBA that evening, I will still make the priority to meet her needs during that time. Loving my wife means sacrificing my daily need so that I can actually meet her needs. You know, if she sees me sacrificing, I believe that it'll be easier for our wife to really submit to us because they have a sense that we are there to protect her. You know, uh, my, my wife just recently um, had her second dose of vaccine last Sunday. And, um, you know, I guess different people have different uh, reactions to vaccine. You know, I, when I had my two doses, I didn't have any side effects at all. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm Superman. I don't know. Hopefully, it's not water, okay? <laughs> but it seems like it's effective, okay? But for my wife, she had some, you know, uh, I guess some minor side effects. But it took her about maybe four, four days before she felt something. And... Uh, she had her vaccine Sunday, and Thursday, she's not feeling well. And, um, you know, what she said was, you know, of course, she's, she doesn't have fever. I checked her temperature. She's normal. It's like that, you know, she's not feeling too strong to, to cook and to, to do things. And so she was lying on bed, and it was like, I think, 11, 11.30 in the evening, and she made lambing. And she said, you know, after a full day of me working, she asked me, love, can you cook me ramen, please? I said, sure. And I asked her, how do you like the ramen? I just need the soup. You can eat the noodles. Sa akin yung carbs, But you know what? When I was just looking at her, I willingly just went down to the kitchen opened the kitchen again, and opened the stove, cooked the ramen, 11.30 in the evening, washed everything, brought it up to her, 
and served her. And what really just in, uh, encouraged me that evening was the smile on her face, particularly her eyes. Because when I just bought her the ramen, it's just a small, a small gesture. But yet, it made her day. And she said, love, thank you so much. You know, it's rare for us to give our life to our wife. As in like, die for her because maybe somebody breaks in our house. You know, if we wait for that moment, that may never happen. But you know, giving our life for our wife means daily dying to ourself and our desire and serving our wife. And asking her, what is your dream? In fact, to all the married men, this is your assignment right now. I want you to, in your conversation with your wife, maybe not today, okay, because alam nila to. Sit down with her and ask her this question. Honey, what is your dream? And how can I support your dream? Then watch her eyes tear up. Because maybe she's not thought about that for a long time because maybe her dream is just to support you as a husband or maybe to support the dreams of her children. And for the first time, here you are a husband, you're asking her, what is your dream? And I want to support your dream. It has always been my dream. And I hope that we get to have that kind of relationship in our home. That we get to support one another as we love our wife, husbands. I believe that our wife would just willingly submit to us because they feel that we as Christ love the church, we're also loving her by giving ourselves to her. As I end this, my last statement, and then we're going to pray. A strong marriage reflects the covenant relationship between Christ and the church. Let's say that again. A strong marriage reflects the covenant relationship between Christ and the church. Let me just bow our heads. Everybody to bow our heads and pray. I want to pray for husbands and wives. For those of you who are here on site, and for those of you who are watching online, I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you. For every marriage that is represented in our spiritual family, in our church, I ask, Lord God, that you would come and give grace to all of us. Holy Spirit, empower every relationship that we have in our home, God. I thank you, Lord God, that you would allow each husband to love his wife just as Christ loved the church, that he's willing to die for her every single day. And I also pray for wives to be willing to align with her husband, under his authority, because, Lord, that is the way it is. It's just a role. That, Lord, as they come together, they come in perfect unity, and this is where we see the miracle happen, the two shall become one. Lord, I pray for those marriages who are probably going through some tough time even right now. I just pray, God, that you would supply the grace. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for humility. I pray, God, for love and patience, Lord God, to overflow in every relationship right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.